Hello. Hello. And welcome back to We Bought a Mic, mm-hmm. a pop culture podcast for Listomania in the year 2022. Looking back on the year 2021, this is it. This is the last mm-hmm. one, boys. We made it. It's been a wild ride. It's been uh, long, long pods with much deliberation. Mm. But this is it. Best movies of 2021. Woo! How we feeling? <sighs> Tired. Yeah? After after the grind that I have been on in the last like week, week and a half. Cramming. I'm a little sleepy. Cramming. Mm. I'm just I'm instead of in lieu of like watching all the movies I didn't watch, I'm going to simply act like I didn't like them. Yeah, okay. That's a smart thing to do. <laughs> didn't make my list. You're like, oh, I found it to be a little bit stale, that take. Yeah. Had to turn it uh, off. Number after. 11. Unfortunately, I won't be talking about it at all because <laughs> it's off my list. But welcome to the show. My name is Ernest. Um, my name is, uh, and don't you dare call me a cinephile hunter. Drew. And today, we're giving you each our top tens. But before we do, some words on our feelings in the, the, the world of cinema in the year of our Lord 2021. Um, we're reeling from last year's uh, list after I put Portrait of a Lady on Fire at, at my number one. I, you, I've been I've been having to mm-hmm. I'm in an undis- we're in an undisclosed location right now mm-hmm. because I've had to I, I've been bullied. I've been dragged by, yeah, by well, us. I've been had, canceled. You had to hire the same lawyer team that represented uh, Cosby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just to try to and try now in, yeah. to help your image just a little bit. I'm in hiding and there, there's fallout from that decision decision. So I, I wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, kind of stuff that didn't make it on my list because of that. Right. Godfather part two. <laughs> Citizen Kane. Namely. Minari and Nomadland um, movies that same deal couldn't justify the appearance on this year's list because of the 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 gap that exists in the world uh, of movies in between festival premieres versus wide releases versus award window eligibility. This has always been a thing, but because of COVID and release dates getting pushed and you know, just kind of the way we watch movies now and the access that we have to movies. It's just this even more stratified thing. Like, look at Judas and the Black Messiah, a movie that already won one of its actors an Oscar already. It's technically a 2021 movie that's up for grabs for this list. So couldn't put Minari and Nomadland on my list. Had to bump them to 2020's list. But there's a couple other movies in that gray area, too. You know, there's movies like Shiva, Baby, and uh, Zola. Mm. There are also movies from 2020 festival circuit that are now kind of eligible for this year's list. So I kind of wanted to start in that kind of like the fallout of like of that kind of the criteria of how we place this these things. Um, the short answer to your question is um, 
it doesn't matter. It's all made up. Lists are stupid and arbitrary. Yeah. Um, and time means nothing, right. especially when, in the day and age what, that we're in now. What even the is movie, a movie? The movie calendar has always been the best because it aligns with our actual calendars, unlike the Grammys, where it's like it's August to July or whatever the hell they're supposed And then they're judging it like six months later. And you're like, wait, that album came out like two years ago. What are we even talking about here? Um, the Oscars are usually better about avoiding some of that problem, but you're dead right that uh, something like Judas and the Black Messiah, I didn't even consider that being in my top 10, to be honest. And it's not a movie that we talked about last year because it hadn't come out yet. It is a 2021 movie, but in the weird world that we're living in right now i was just like well i want to talk like that's kind of old news judas and the black messiah it's gotten the awards praised it's gotten the recognition i want to talk about things that maybe we haven't discussed as in-depth on this podcast and give light to some other stuff and guess what we're gonna have this problem uh with festival circuit and foreign language movies uh for the rest of time yeah see films like worst person in the world drive my car um i could go on and on with the list of uh, films, uh, Pedro Almodovar's Parallel Mothers that is just now starting to play in theaters, mm-hmm. not in New York or L.A. So, you know, this is going to be a problem. This has always been a thing. Yeah. It, this has always been a thing and always will be a thing. But I, for some reason, it's just become more pronounced lately as more as other things, you know, with the pandemic and everything and just how kind of online we are in the ways that, you know, the access that we have to these movies. So. I think I thought that was just a, a good place to start to kind of like jump things off. And also like the idea of like what even is a movie, you know, like what we ran into with Get Back and Inside, like all of that is also part of that conversation of like mm-hmm. how open the field is. And then on top of that, too, this year is like do- a double year because of all of the shit that got pushed from 2020. So it just it it ends up being this crazy thing where I look at my list and deep into like number 30, I would call all great movies mm-hmm. like it is just absolutely stacked. So it's just a guarantee that some of the best movies, some of our favorites are just not going to be on our top tens just because it's so absolutely packed. Um, one of those being a movie I want to shout out right off top because it's something that I wanted to link back to last week with our uh, top first discoveries of 2021 that I didn't get a chance to shout out totally past me. Fast and Furious. F9, not on my list, unfortunately. No. <sighs> Sorry Adam, to, to oh say no. it, but I had to shout it out up off top because that, that was one of the best discoveries of 2021 was us seeing the original Fast and Furious mm-hmm. movie in a rented out theater. For your birthday, Hunter. That yeah, was perfect. That was that was the the best. That was a perfect birthday gift. Um, yeah, and you're right. Like that was kind of a good discovery because then we started like each of us individually doing our own little watch through of the Fast and Furious movies and enjoying the melodrama and the soap opera for boysness of it all. And and live our lives a quarter mile at a time. Yes. Um, you know. <laughs> I wouldn't say that there's a Fast and Furious on my list either, unfortunately, but the feeling that those movies created, that kind of warm feeling is something that I gravitated a lot to this year, even more so than last year with the pandemic. Um, 
partially just because of, I think it being year one of the pandemic and feeling a little bit of that isolation, I gravitated to some more movies that had, um, a sense of isolation to them. I'm thinking specifically of something like Nomadland. Um, this year I just really wanted kind of a warm blanket a lot of times whenever it came to movies and not to say that all of my movies are like just a blast front to back (laughs) action packed adventure. But like, I think that there's something very inviting and very rewatchable about just about every selection on my list this year. The last thing I wanted to say is uh, kind of piggybacking off of that is like the theatrical experience of it all. And the fact that like, it's so much more difficult for a movie to grab you when you watch it at home. Like it's such, if a movie fully commands your attention at home, that means it's a great fucking movie because it's so much easier to kind of get distracted, grab your phone, whatever, when you're watching something at home. I can't tell you how many times some of these movies that I watched at home, I paused it like multiple times. Cause I just had to, cause like the things just happen. It's like, Sometimes it's just so impossible to just like sit and watch a movie straight through mm-hmm. in in a in a living room, you know, or, or or wherever you watch your movies at home. You have to like kind of manufacture that cinematic experience, and it's so much more of an ask. So, you know, the the idea of like a movie that I see in a theater automatically being more memorable—that's something that I really yeah. thought about a lot about this year. Um, and the movies that did grab me at home, having that like badge of honor of like, holy crap, you did it. You held my attention for your entire runtime. That's like a gold medal. <laughs> um, so what do you guys, any, any thoughts on that before we get to the, to the list? Um, no, I think you're dead right. I definitely, there's some movies that are on my list that I don't know if they would be. Not to say they wouldn't be on my list at all, but I don't know if they would be as high if I didn't experience them in a theater. And similarly, I think I have... Let me just take a quick look on here. I believe that I have three, four of my movies I saw for the first time at home, Mm. um, which is a little bit higher than normal, partially just because, again trying to cram in movies last minute that either wasn't able to get a chance in theater or did not play. In yeah. A lot, of, a lot of shit that just like, it wasn't an option. Uh, the thing is, that's not a problem for me because I actually consider the movies to be my home. Mm. The movies. So I actually the saw theater. It. I actually did see everything at home because the being at the cinema is mm-hmm. the home for me. Well, also because you don't, you got kicked out of your house. Yeah. Also I died. So, <laughs> It, I, I, an abandoned of, like, movie. Are, yeah, it's it's almost as if to... the abandoned movie theater <laughs> that I live in is my home. Yeah, and I uh, illegally stream things on my laptop in there on one, two, three movies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think I didn't want to risk the virus for every movie. You know, it's like I I can't. But like sometimes I wish I had. <laughs> well, there's like I'm sitting there like, watching it at home and I'm like this would be so good if like I was trapped in a theater with a giant screen not only that I mean there's some movies that I we've talked about it before so I don't want to belabor the point too much but about the stratification of movies movie theaters movie theaters aren't dying they're just changing and becoming uh, Marvel and Disney hubs um, but 
like say, and this is coming from um, one of the uh, friend of the pod, Colin, I think was saying that like he wanted to go see Red Rocket and he was just like, cool, I'm going to go see Red Rocket. And then it was just like gone. Yeah. One day. The, the same thing happened to me with other. Yeah. With multiple movies. Yeah. we're yeah. In, I, Exactly. Like it was a thing that happened with uh, Titan for me where I was just like, cool. Yeah. I'm going to go see Titan. No. I was like, no, I guess I'm not going to see Titan. <laughs> you waited. Eight yeah. days. <laughs> Luckily for us, Red Rocket, for some reason, Sean uh, Baker has some kind of a deal with Regal Cinemas that they're like, we'll play your movie for a month and a half, but it's only playing at 3.30 and 10.30 at night. So the screenings are completely dead. Yeah, bless you know up, though. Yeah, you know what's good for uh, social distancing is going to a 10.30 p.m. showing of Red Rocket. Yeah. And with that, I think we should hit the list. What do you guys think, huh? Let's Connor, do it. Let's get wanna, into it. You want to start us off? Number 10. Um, my number 10 was a movie that I mentioned uh, just a few moments ago. Titan. Wait for it. Nice. Every every time we have overlap, we will wait until the highest person has it. Okay. So we'll keep going around. We'll get to my number 10. Um, this is a special one, folks. It is Encanto. Oh, hell yes. I'm so glad I didn't I haven't had a chance to see Encanto. this one. Encanto. So, this is the uh Colombian Disney animation musical. Um and I am from Colombia, so this is kind of like my Wakanda forever moment <laughs> right here. And I kind of put it off for a while. It was kind of a slow build with this one. It came out in theaters in Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, didn't really build steam until it wound up on Disney Plus uh, over the Christmas break. And now it's like huge. Like this movie, the songs are like charting on like the Billboard Top 10 and uh, like specifically two songs. It is Lin-Manuel Miranda and we all love to clown on him, but he's not in this movie. This isn't like his project. He did the music and it's good music. Yeah. I mean, it's like Moana. It is like yeah, Moana. Because yeah. Moana took a minute as well. Yeah. It, it, it sort of just became. Slow build. Yeah. 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 Like once it was released, released, it, it just became a fucking phenomenon. Speaking of Moana, um, one of my uh, first uh, time discoveries of 2021 was Moana because I went on a Musker and Clements run mm-hmm. um, and watched a bunch of old Disney movies, including that one and all the Musker and Clements, um, rewatched a bunch of them. And Encanto like when I look at every movie that belongs to like the Disney animation canon, which I think, I think this might be the 60th one. I think it says it at the beginning of the movie. God it's damn. up there. It's up there, man. <laughs> I really love this movie and obviously I'm biased, but how could I not be, you know, like this movie really does a fantastic job of communicating some really specific challenges that Colombian families go through. Like I related to the story of this movie really, really deeply. And I kind of, I kind of anticipated that, which is kind of part of the reason why I did put it off too. Cause I was like, Oh shit, this one's going to get real. <laughs> um, and it just, yeah, it digs into themes of like trauma that's passed down from generation to generation, uh, high pressure expectations to fulfill certain roles in a family system And it kind of weaves all of that together in a really, really good way that doesn't betray the complexity of these themes while still like being a movie for children, you know, because it kind of still has to do the Disney thing at the end. It can't leave you in like a very like emotionally complex place. It has to kind of like end with a happy song and like, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of, uh, 
I don't want to say watered down, but like Disney fi it yeah, for lack of a better exactly. term. Um, but yeah, the, I just really love the characters. There's a lot of characters. It's kind of, you know, packed, but you know, it's, that's what a Colombian family is. Like my, my mom has like eight siblings and my dad has like six. So it's like, I have all kinds of aunts and uncles and cousins and that's just how it is. And like, it really does a really good way of kind of like capturing the beauty of that. It's not just about like the the drama of it all. It's a, about celebrating the culture and the music and, and and showcasing it. And, you know, with the story, it's like there's not a real villain in the story. There is this one character named Bruno who has like the 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 song that's all about him that everybody's singing. We don't talk about Bruno. No, no, no. <laughs> No, if you're a parent out there and you have a little kid, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and uh, and yeah, the, that's kind of like the character that like Disney, the the Disney like movie kind of formula points to as being like the villain. But of course, you know, there's going to be more to it than that. And there's other kind of, you know, twists and turns and wrinkles in there that's all rooted in those ideas and those themes of like family and the Hispanic, Latin, Colombian culture of it all. Uh, I absolutely loved it. I think it just did a really, they, they nailed it. Like they really nailed it. Balancing like the, the seriousness of these themes and kind of like the darkness of it while still like making it a really fun, vibrant, colorful, just exciting movie musical that it just sits on the shelf next to like Lion King and Tarzan and like all the, the heavies of the canon. So absolutely loved it. Encanto. I'm really excited to check that out. Like I, they surprise dropped it on Christmas, right? Like it wasn't expected. Yeah. yeah, Christmas. They did the soul treatment for it where they're like, and here you go. Congratulations, you get a free new Disney movie yeah. on Disney Plus. Um, yeah, it's just been sitting on my queue. I just haven't had a chance to get to it, but I'm really excited to see it. I've heard nothing but great things. It's my number 10. Drew, number 10. Well, my list of movies I saw this year is a little thinner than y'all's because I'm not a maniac like you two are. Um, I've come to terms with this. I wanted to give a special shout out to one of my favorite theater experiences of the last few years which was legitimately the movie old yes let's <laughs> see this is what old. i'm here for this is why you shouldn't be ashamed of we, who you are you we were shame was this all of us together and at that screener no you guys went without me you went to an yeah. advanced screening. yeah it was an advanced screening we we had to sit in like the front fucking yeah because we got there late so then we just had to sit in the very front yeah i felt old by the end of the movie it was it was a fucking blast to watch uh overall but also in a theater with a group of people who's trying to make heads or tails of what the fuck is going on um it it's gonna catch a lot of shit a lot of it is deserved um the dialogue obviously is has taken center stage in terms of the discourse because there you know there became this big twitter debate of like intentionally stilted like lynchian dialogue versus just bad dialogue (laughs) the thing is there's both in this there there's dialogue that i would call very intentionally like distant and and inhuman and then there's dialogue that is so um, straightforwardly setting up themes and character building that it can only be described as bad. Those both can be in the same script. It yep. makes sense. 
um the filmmaking you can't doubt in this movie the filmmaking rocks hard like it fucking owns it has some of my favorite visuals of the of the year by far like it it has elements i've never seen before in other movies and Knight's great fucking talented he's dude. a good fucking director He's if a only really his good dialogue director. didn't suck ass. If only he just didn't write his The movies. dialogue in the fucking end. He just he, he it's can't I can't stop. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's and this one is absolutely not a matter of it being a big twist. It, to me it wasn't much of a twist. It was more just like, all right, finally like I know something's going on here. Just tell me what it is. You know, yeah. we like I I had almost gotten to the to where it was going, but then he felt the need to tell us everything. Yeah. <laughs> everything over explain every single detail that said i i really loved watching it uh i think it's it's short yeah um it's it's might like be an a hour right on, 50 yeah right under the two hour mark. it's uh, 108 minutes it didn't yeah it it felt like a 90 something minute long movie like it felt like it was a little over an hour and a half it's it's pretty breezy to watch it gets dour and fucked up uh in ways that i really enjoyed um so they get old they they do get old um i don't know if i mentioned I, that i'm man, sorry the fact <laughs> you spoilers know, so here's get old. here's my biggest problem with old um a movie that i didn't love but i did love watching and i've loved the discussions about old more than i love it's a thing where like the meme has taken over the movie itself because they go to the beach and it takes them like an hour into the movie to realize like guys we're getting old they're just like our bodies are changing and they don't even know that they're on beach that make them old we yeah. all know that they're on beach that make them old yeah well but you know once they do you didn't have this problem when midnight mass did ya? <laughs> yeah, look, <laughs> it's the same fucking shit it's the same yeah it's the same thing like hey my my mother is 40 years younger what's so, going on here? so what what is better M. Night writes Midnight Mass or Mike Flanagan writes old? <laughs> that's Whoa. not fair because then, no. <laughs> which, which one sucks you're asking, harder? You're, you know which one sucks harder. <laughs> M. Night writing seven hours worth of exclusively monologues. <laughs> Man, can you imagine? That would suck. Um, that said, old, I found really, really enjoyable, if uneven it rocks. and inherently flawed. I, uh, I don't want it to be known just at, for the joke, even though I was a huge perpetuator of the joke. Yeah. And still I will am, say it it's is funny as fuck. It's so much more inspired of a piece than glass was glass yeah. fucking sucks. I hate that. It's movie. a lot better. Than I glass. don't people on the internet are trying to rectify glass no. and turn it into something that's not that movie sucks. I'm sorry. So glass Your opinion's is bad. Glass Harry, is I'm talking to you. Yeah. Yeah. Gold glass, is not boring. Glass is boring. I remember, it's also remember when Bruce Willis dr drowns in a puddle. <laughs> There's too much plot in glass. Old, it gets to just be old. Yeah, exactly. Old is just old. And then when guess when plot comes is in the shitty ending. It does have one of the most upsetting uh, pieces of imagery. In it sure year. does. Um, it has, a piece that like actually made me angry on the podcast. It has some. It has some really upsetting shit, and I really uh, I I appreciated it for going there because M Night is always going to pull for some reason a, a pretty mainstream audience in, and I like that he doesn't care about them, ex except for mm. with his ending. That's old. Old. It's uh, Drew's ten Hunter number nine. Drew, I'm just happy that you're here because you have a list for the people. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, the rest the of my people list are, that loved old. The yeah. rest of my list is all foreign films. Um, <laughs> 
they're all films by auteurs that, that nobody really, can see yeah that no one there isn't really an audience for it um you have to like my next one and hold on let me get this right house of the gucci <laughs> <laughs> Is this on your list? It did not make it. I mean, I'm so glad it. It's Here's the thing: House of Gucci might be the funniest. It might be the greatest comedy, not just of 2021. It might be the greatest comedy that humankind has ever created for cinema. <laughs> um, we taught Ernie and I talked about this after seeing a screener in which that was a great theatrical I experience. Think, I think we were the only people who like were vibing with what Ridley was trying to do. I'd say it was like, uh, no, I'd say it was like maybe 50-50. Some people were digging. I will say we had a good screening audience for it. Yeah. But looking online, people are just kind of giving this movie a shrug. They don't and understand it. <laughs> I don't get it. I really think that people don't understand that this movie is supposed to be funny. Yeah. Like I think that people are trying to just be like, mm, this is a Ridley Scott movie. This is very serious. Yeah. We're watching a serious film by a serious filmmaker no, right now. It's, and yeah, it's, it, has a, it has a really not positive spread on Letterboxd, which is surprising because Letterboxd likes camp usually. Yes, and it's so camp. I really think that people just didn't know. People were expecting this to be like costume drama, um, very serious at times dour film about like a family's rise and fall from power. And like in part it kind of is that but also in part it's it's really funny like i think that of course the comedic center jared leto as paolo gucci man i just i want that man and you know i've always hated jared leto i have said jared leto is fucking trash so many times yeah. on this podcast uh trash human being and a trash actor and i gotta give it to him that the level that he is at right now is my favorite supporting performance of the year. I think that it is like truly masterful. The uh, amount, the comedic timing that he has and some of the comedic acting and Ridley Scott knows it too. Ridley yeah. Scott is a hundred percent in on the joke and is just like, I'm going to let this buffoon go around yeah, and just, just make it all over the movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and because the alternative would be so by the numbers right. and bland but the thing is that I think that I think that both of these these two sides elevate each other instead of bring each other down or creating any kind of whiplash while you're watching the film. Because while it is really funny, all of the Jared Leto scenes, I think that at its core, the relationship between Lady Gaga and Adam Driver is really fucking well done. Like I am shocked that Lady Gaga isn't getting more attention in the awards circuit for her um for a portrayal of Maurizio Gucci or uh, for uh, Patrizia, Re Patrizia Reggiani. <laughs> Arriva Derci. You're being, yeah, you're being so racist. Do you have any idea what that means to me? Um, no, I like, I think that she's excellent. I think that Adam Driver is just incredible as per usual. I and mean, the two of them, their chemistry together, how it starts and where it kind of ends up is, is really beautiful. I love this movie. Ridley Scott's back. The old guys still fucking got yeah. it. That said, uh, wouldn't wouldn't be shocked if he released like a stinker next because he does that. You know what I mean? I mean, it's not like he goes on like crazy. Runs I in the, will in the say, century. and I don't know if we're going to get to it with somebody else having it on their list, but I did not unfortunately have a chance to see the last duel. But um, apparently, that's also good. So. I think I think it's it's a hair better than uh house of gucci they're kind of like on a similar 
playing field for me. Neither of them made my list. But how how is uh, Ben Affleck's comedic timing in the last duel? He is. He is doing a very similar thing than Jared Leto. Yeah. Like on a very similar She's kind like, of playing ah, it's field. It's me. I'm the king. Where's the last duel? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, Palo, Jared Leto is like, we're trying to make a fucking Mario movie. And Jared Leto is just out here just being fucking Mario yeah. right mm-hmm. now. He can, he can do Russian brother in, I, in Lord yeah. of War. So here's the thing. Yuri Orlov. Hey, I love potato hey, brother, sandwich, brother. Brother, <laughs> give me some more of that borscht. Um, <laughs> no, I um, how Saguchi kicks ass, man. I don't care what anybody says. I there is on a Regal with the rewards, you can buy like a numbered printout of like character posters from different movies and stuff like that. And there's one of Jared I'm going to start playing the Oscar music. And I I want it so bad. And Gaia said, I will divorce you if you hang this up in our house. <laughs> That's not fair. I'm very passionate about Jared Leto. She gets all her clowns on the wall. I, yeah, let's get another a, clown up there. Can, what she, if you put a fucking nose fair, on him? She does have to deal with over 400 Blu-rays, so I think that she says it's yeah. Blu-rays or Jared you gotta, Leto. Yeah, you gotta get rid of like at least 35 <laughs> Blu-ray to, I'll make it, yeah, to make, make a the Jared Leto poster happen. <laughs> House of Gucci is Hunter's 9. My number 9. Um, Right before we started recording, I was telling you, Hunter, that there was... I was flip flopping two movies on and off my list. And this is the spot because it's just, I couldn't pick to 10 and I just, I'm picking now to ton. <laughs> I'm picking now for my number nine West side story. Hell I yeah. had, it was, it was tough between this and another one, but I had to choose this one because Steven Spielberg more, it has more the old guys. Hey, the old guy still got it. Absolutely knocked it out of the park. Feels so good to see these musical numbers being done with the with the skill and the artistry and the craftsmanship that uh, that Spielberg brings to it, and it's just a great fucking movie. I saw this in the theater; it rocked so hard in the theater, even with people having a full on conversation the entire time, all the way down to on the other side of the aisle or, or the row. I was still glued to the screen and 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 glued to my seat the entire time, just completely enthralled by the magic of cinema in West Side Story. And the fact that like the supporting cast is like such a diverse cast, you know, actual Hispanic Puerto Rican actors playing these parts that was not the case in the original movie, just really bringing that that passion, that fervor, that, you know, kind of swagger that only these talented latino actress could do ariana debose like you're saying that ansel elgort doesn't have swag he doesn't (laughs) he doesn't not at all and and the movie is is so good that it's still not brought down (laughs) by how kind of inert his performance is he's you don't like a quirked up white boy (laughs) david alvarez go to with a sauce is just Oh, just a, a star is mm. like the stars are David Alvarez is in this fucking un, movie. like he's kind of been the lost figure from this movie because yeah. I really of course, des- Rachel Zegler. deservedly so Rachel Zegler. Yeah, and she's, she's are blown them. up. Uh, Rachel Zegler is I mean, like kids of a certain age like generation right below us have been known about her because she had like a huge internet presence is huge in theater and everything so she was just kind of a rising star waiting for a moment to pop she's good online she's uh she's very funny and and humble very natural yeah 
And Ariana DeBose, I mean, she's probably going to win Best Supporting Actress, and we'd love to see it for her. Um, I really love this movie. I'm happy that it made your list because I think that it's about as flawlessly executed of this story as it could possibly be. Like, I have no notes when it comes to portraying West Side Story. My only problems with it are with West Side Story itself, but I, you know... I'm like criticizing Romeo and Juliet. So what the fuck do I know about anything? Um, That's fucked up. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it, it's great. It has a timeliness to it and a timelessness to it. Oof. Exactly. Oof. Fucking. Mm. Yeah. Poetry I mean, snaps. I mean, it, it is the story of these people like fighting over this neighborhood that's already spoken for. Do they you do know? the snaps? Yeah. 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 Bid him. Bid him. Bid him. Bid him. Hell yeah. Um, I fucking love the movie. Obviously, the the music is is timeless. I didn't uh, have a relationship to West Side Story before seeing this movie. Yeah, I've never, you seen, never the seen the original, right? Yeah. Came into it just as a Spielberg You've boy. You've never seen a stage production of West Side never. Story either? Oh, okay. I mean, you can't avoid the music. Obviously, like I knew a bunch of the songs already I just because they're so. America. Yeah. That number, one of the best sequences mm-hmm. of the entire year. Like I literally brought a tear Stunning. to my eye. Just how. Oh, my God fucking cinema in this movie <laughs> it's I, so good kind of a bummer this movie flopped like it uh yeah. i don't know if we talked about it on the pod about how this movie just like nobody saw it yeah is bummer is steven gonna get another shot i don't think so i, I think, think that he's might done. be it yeah i think he's done um i heard that tubi might pick him up yes might yeah. be make a tubi original yeah his his autobiographical film is gonna mm. be a yeah west side story my number nine Drew, number nine, pig, nice, hell, hell yes. yeah! It's number sixteen on my list. It was I thought about putting it in there because Nick Cage, pig was really our good. boy. Pig was a really good movie. It's not, uh, it, like I wouldn't call it a great movie, um, but I think what it sets out to accomplish really the the issue is that it's not clear for a good chunk of the movie it's not that it's like it's it has a bad goal or it doesn't accomplish that it's just you don't you're trying to figure out what the movie is trying to do for yeah. for like 45 minutes to an hour it's it's like a good vibe though yeah that's the thing you're you're on a journey anyway so it's it's fun to sort of suss out what's going on um it this is a, yeah it's a very odd <laughs> It's an odd movie. Yeah. It's, you know, you, you don't know where you're going. It's it's and then it ends up with Nick Cage and Alex Wolf, uh, essentially like a road movie, you could call, even though they're in one city, uh, not always traveling by road. Just searching for pig. Yeah. Searching for pig, uh, going hither and, and thither. Yeah. Uh, Cage and is really good in this. C- Cage, so good. Cage. Yeah. Cage is killer. Uh, Wolf sometimes is sort of a little bit below his weight class, but he's still very good. Um, I, I like the kid. Well, it's, it's interesting because Cage is doing something kind of different. He's very quiet. He's kind of mumbly and just yeah. sort of like, you know, keeping to himself, not really going big as he's known for. And so Alex has to kind of like play off of that, you know, kind of, kind of, kind of manage that and be a little bit of a foil to it. And I think he does a really good job. I, I really love this movie. I, I kind of was a little lower on it at first and then it just kind of stuck in my head. I just kept thinking about it and thinking about it. It's just, 
it's just been like ruminating in my mind all year and and it could have easily made my top 10 i i probably put it in my top 15 um i really really loved it i think when you kind of step back and look at the year it really stands out as this like really quiet really intimate and beautiful mm-hmm. and and subdued portrait of like kind of what compassion and kindness can do to somebody in the face of like it because it, what it kind of does is like it puts you in a path where you think it is going to be this explosively violent movie because we've seen we've seen the John Wickness of it all. You know, that's a thing now. You kill dog, yeah. you go out and kill all the people who kill dog. Yeah. And I would say they imply that with great intent. Yes, of course. Like yeah. they, they take you it's very aware, yeah. you know, early on in the movie, they take you to a location where you're like, OK, this is where the movie gets crazy. Yeah. And then they simply leave yeah. <laughs> that location after and there after, are intense moments like there oh, yeah. is like visceral and there is, stuff. Yeah, there is violence, but yeah. um, it, it becomes a lot more cerebral after that. Yeah. Um, it also is a food movie. Yes, we love it. It's mm. a really good food movie. It uh. It takes you yeah, through each the, act is a meal takes you through the the Portland uh, food scene and uh, also the chef the chef scene. I know I was going to say it, it's it's been done already. I've seen I've seen a couple people on Twitter do this the last few weeks, but the guy's name is David Nell. It's probably one of my five favorite it's scenes so of the good. whole year. Yeah. Oh, it's and so it's good. really mostly just because of him. <laughs> yeah, because the writing could like. It, with a different actor in that role, that writing could go south because mm-hmm. it's kind of like absurd. Yeah. The And, the, you know, that's sort of something that in my mind maybe holds this movie back a little bit is that Nick Cage is sort of uh, a magical being that he has the power to just like make anyone break down with a yeah. snap of a finger that that's that can come across as sort of lazy sometimes. But this scene, this guy's performance is anything but fucking lazy. This man is leaving it all on the fucking table yeah. for you. Like he yeah. he it, rocks. It's un it's unbelievable how good he is in just one scene. It's like there, there's an award for that. There's a Wabami mm. for that, you know? Oh yeah. He, yeah. Oh yeah. It's like the You're David gonna, the David Nell yeah, award. Yeah, we're gonna call it the David Nell Award for just face acting. For for one scene uh opposite Nicholas Cage. Yeah. <laughs> uh also just a great button to our whole series. Just like perfect timing. Yeah. Right as we end. Good job by us. Like yeah. boom. It's crazy how we timed it that way. Yeah. Well, didn't technically we timed it to end on the Nick Cage movie about Nick That's Cage playing Nick yet. Cage that still has gotten pushed back once again. Yeah. One day we'll see it. Good movie. It's about family. It's about grief. It's about food. Did make me want to drop everything and join the um, the Portland Fight Club, Portland Restaurant Fight Club. Yeah, made me want to. Made me want to just like go to some woods. Mm. I don't mm. even. I don't think I need an animal. I can sniff. I can sniff around. Pig is Drew's number nine. I think we're at eight. Right, we're at eight. Um, my number eight, we're gonna have to wait on. I just did a flip flop, like literally oh. as you guys are talking about pig. Um, my number eight, we're gonna have to wait on. My number eight is a little movie called Bo Burnham's Inside. Yes, we will wait on that one. Um, so that means we're at my number eight, which is the power of the dog. Wait. Oh, oh, Jan Campion. Number eight. My number eight is Malignant. Yo, <laughs> Drew, Malignant's my number 12, and it was one of the hardest movies to cut. Thank you. Thank Gabriel. So when we potted about this, I came down harder on Malignant than either of you did. Um, now this movie is incredible. It's just that <laughs> that said, when you are, look back on movies, what you're not really remembering is the entirety of the movie. You're remembering peak moments. Yeah. And this movie has peak moments that match any movie from last year. It's not. It's, it's peak it, moments that match like 
the horror genre it, in totality. Yeah. <laughs> some, so, yeah. Some of my favorite movie moments I've ever seen, like not exaggerating. It's just, I, I would say that probably half of this movie could have been a lot better. Um, and that's fine. Yeah. Like that, you know what I mean? That That's totally fine because getting what we got out of this movie, you don't get out of most movies. Um, where this movie ends up, if you if you put this on, I actually uh, talked to someone who put it on, and and about twenty minutes in, they were like, "Yeah, I they didn't that get off. they didn't get to the big." Uh, no, yeah, they turned off. They were like, "Yeah, this was the most the awful like basic ass horror movie yeah. I've ever seen," and yeah. it kind of is. And you can argue that that's on purpose, but you know, to me, that it becomes an issue of well, bad on purpose is bad mm-hmm. sometimes, right? Um, this movie gets places and you're going to want to you're going to want to stick around to yeah, get where it gets fucking buck wild bonkers yeah i don't want to spoil jack shit the movie yep. the movie gets so awesome it it's, gets so fucking awesome we're, somehow, we're gonna have to spoil during the wabamis though to get to give out specific awards <laughs> yeah. The, yeah the gabriel award uh, <laughs> <laughs> go ahead honey. it's it's a movie that i think it, like both it thrives in the horror genre and it comments on it in a way like it does have a broad appeal to it that like you just take anybody who's just like a fan of horror movies sit them down and watch malignant and they would probably just have like a blast with it or you could take somebody who like drew i know you're not a big horror movie guy and it plays with some of those conceits and some of those things that you might not be as drawn to in the horror genre Mm -hmm. and that's one of the geniuses about james wan james wan is the best commercial horror director well, he, that we have. He's coming, he's coming into this movie after not doing horror for a while. Mm-hmm. Cause the last horror movie he did was conjuring two, which I think he did before furious seven and Aquaman. Yeah. So I think it goes, it goes conjuring two, furious seven Aquaman and then malignant. So he's bringing all of that mega action uh blockbuster energy to this horror movie and it's like you don't know what kind of toys he's gonna pull out of the toolbox until well into the movie i know and i that's the thing i know i know i i already i i got to this point i probably harped on it too much when we potted about it if if we make this movie out of the black box this is like high on all of our lists this is easily really high in all of our top tens and i know it because this movie like we all agree that the peaks of this movie are as good as yeah. as good yeah. as movies get oh absolutely it's so awesome yeah. um it so, kicks ass and i'm yeah and i'm not necessarily a horror boof yeah uh it just well this is one of those movies that i was saying that you watch at home i did not go to the theater for this i heard from people who did that it was a absolutely wild experience watch it on hbo max and it it despite the clunkiness in the first half it really grabbed me and then you get to the second half and it, 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 i was just like jumping out of my seat i was so yeah, into this you movie. get so amped it, it has yeah it has one of the best like what the fuck sequences of the yeah. entire year uh mm-hmm. and the last uh i'd say like 120 years of cinema. it has <laughs> i want this movie to get even bigger than it has been because there's like like I just want to like reference Gabriel and casual conversations and for people to know what the fuck I'm talking about. But it, unfortunately it hasn't reached that point yet. Yeah. And you definitely can't call him Gabe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Malignant is Drew's number eight. So we're at seven. All right. Moving mm-hmm. right along. Number seven. All right. Number seven on my list is a movie that I just had a chance to watch in this last week and it is 
a little movie by a little guy who we loved a few years ago. New Paul Schrader movie called The Card Counter. This this was one I didn't have time for. I really wanted to see this. Um, so for people who don't know, Paul Schrader, absolute master. Um, a couple years ago, made First Reformed. Um, I think that was twenty. Was it twenty eighteen or twenty seventeen? Twenty seventeen. So, um, that was I think in like all of our top five, top three movies of the year that year. Um, the guy wrote Taxi Driver. He wrote Raging Bull. Uh last temptation of christ this guy is a legend 75 years old and he is still fucking throwing heaters my guy um the card counter you see the poster of it and you see oscar isaac standing in front of um a king of king of diamonds and you can even hear the log line where it's him as like a gambler a degenerate gambler going around from town to town and it sounds like it's going to be a fun gambling movie a romp um it's not that <laughs> it is about counting cards but it's not a it doesn't have the glitz and the glamour of a vegas set movie like very importantly this movie the setting of it is in casinos in indiana and in like small time casinos in panama city um it's going around to these other little places and oscar isaac's his character um uh william tell says something very early on the film which says like i don't count cards i don't play blackjack to make money i play blackjack to pass the time um and it really becomes more of a film trying to answer the question similar to first reformed of who will forgive us um he was somebody who used to be in the military ex-military um who did some very bad things um who had to go to prison and is now just trying to basically run the time out on his life and on his existence and just try to make enough money to survive um and i it it sounds pretty heavy and it is but it 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 isn't too it's you know it's a paul schrader movie so like it has a lot of the emotion and a lot of the themes on its sleeve like first reformed there ain't anything subtle about first reformed and there isn't really anything subtle about the card counter either but that doesn't take away anything from the quality of this movie oscar isaac is incredible tiffany haddish um plays the second lead um kind of this woman who's uh lalinda who helps him kind of get on the um world series of poker circuit to try to make some more money for himself and it's a dramatic turn for tiffany haddish and kind of showed part of her acting abilities that i did not think that she had in her personally and not anything against her just you know you cast tiffany haddish to be the funny lady you don't really cast her for true bad trip acting chops not in your top 10 um, unfortunately not. I have not seen Bad Trip. She's in Bad Trip? Yeah. Bad Trip oh. was this year. Yeah. Fuck. I should have I would have put it in place of old. I'm not I'm not even joking. <laughs> it's too late. Old is on your list now. Bad trip is not. All right, um, I'm gonna get rid of Licorice Pizza then. <laughs> <laughs> uh no, I I just I didn't know that she had this in her and it's kind of it feels kind of jarring at time that Oscar Isaac is trying to do, you know, the um <laughs> the Oscar Isaac thing where his like eyes glaze over and he's dead inside. And then also he's having a conversation with Tiffany Haddish. It can be a little bit of like whiplash for you while you're kind of watching it, but um, it's an excellent movie. I cannot recommend enough easily worth the $5 or whatever to rent. Um, and I'm probably going to buy the Blu-ray here soon because I really love it. Yeah. I, I, 
it's like at the top of my watch list. I just couldn't fit it, but I love first reform and this sounds right up my alley. Yeah. Weirdly, uh, a lot more similar in themes and vibes to First Reform than I was expecting it to be. Cool. It's the card counter. It's Hunter's number seven. My number seven. I think we're going to have to wait on this one. Red Rocket. Yep. We're going to have to wait on that one. <laughs> my number seven is the French Dispatch. That is my number six. Oh, wow. I'm so glad. That's my number 11. That was the okay. hardest cut for me. Thanks. This movie so- is incredible. Yeah, Wes it's, Anderson. It's really great. He's There are a few actors that I've actually seen in other Wes Anderson movies that are in this. And they're mostly pretty good. <laughs> it's almost like this Wes guy is like, he's, he's got some talent to him. So he's kind of quirky. I got a chance to see uh, Royal Tenenbaums at the Enzian the other night. Um, it was on 35 millimeter film. It was oh, yeah. beautiful. And... It was so interesting to see that era of Wes Anderson because I I think that's a great movie. But to me personally, I think that he has gotten to this point where he he really is just doing kind of the same thing over and over again. And he's just refined it to just this very sharp point that I fucking love. Not to take anything away from Royal Tenenbaums, like. I enjoy the hell out of it. Fucking Gene Hackman is a king He's in that so movie. Good. But so, so good. I, I don't know. I I feel sometimes I, I feel like um, people aren't vibing with French Dispatch because it is just like the Wes anderson movie ever mm-hmm. made. Yeah. And, and I love and, it for that. You know, and, and you're playing a dangerous game if you're doing vignettes. Yeah. Um, because it's it's less to grab onto with each individual story. But I really liked every story that we get here. Uh, they're they're all very dynamic, dynamic performances in each of them. The you know the the show stealer is obviously the first one. Well, hey, technically the second one because no one is talking about Owen Wilson's little yeah story. riding the bike, yeah, <laughs> riding his little bike around for <laughs> five minutes, little bike. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, the the art, uh, the prison art story is is like stupendous. It's yeah. it's really it's so really good. fun. Just top to down, like the visuals are incredible. Both of the performances, Benicio and Leah Sadu and Adrian Brody and Adrian mm-hmm. Adrian Fuck. Brody, Henry Winkler's in there. Like, oh my god, it, it, yeah, it's really. It's an awesome story. It's the one that the most easily you could just see being a feature yeah. um, with no effort like that. That's just a feature just sitting there. But it's like how it, it takes up the most time in this movie. Yeah. I don't know. The the last the last, the last, the last one's one's one is. Uh, yeah. yeah. Also, by the way, uh, the last one rocks. Uh, yeah. Jeffrey dude, Wright. Our boy Jeffrey, Jeffrey Wright is my favorite performance in the movie. I, he's in my top 10 of the whole year. It's it's, it's sort of I didn't. I didn't know he had th- th- this uh, speed with him. I also think that this, the last vignette that we see has is the best use of the quirky Wes Anderson-ness where we'll cut to animation and then yeah. we just kind of will cut to randomly, randomly Jeffrey Wright will just be giving this beautiful, elegant story. And then he just uh, hears, he like starts talking about a food, a piece of, food like a dish that they get and the way that he writes and discusses this piece of food is so beautiful and then you don't really realize until minor spoilers um why he is so fascinated by food and why he discusses food so beautifully is because it's the first job assignment they ever got yeah and like how that how they kind of weave these three this triptych of stories um together 
while being completely separate entities is really well done. Yeah, it's, you know, it the it's the ventures of the French dispatch of uh, an American newspaper from Liberty, think, Kansas. Yeah, from Kansas. Uh, this is all heavily based on old New Yorker stories um, featuring the likes of like James Baldwin writing them. Uh, yeah, yeah th- this rules front to back. The The middle story, um, Timothy, it felt the most uneven to boy. me. So Timothy, I, I have never said I've said nary a negative thing about the boy in my life. I don't I don't know if he's as as well suited for Wes Anderson movies as I thought he was because he's not very good at delivering really quick dialogue um which a lot of the time is literally just a matter of like where your fucking teeth are in your mouth or whatever <laughs> um he's a little too chill so, sometimes he yeah sometimes he's just a little bit stumbly with with the dialogue and I think it sort of got in the way of his performing speed um also it, you know it's it's not the easiest assignment to be alongside Franny McD yeah. Uh, in a Wes Anderson yeah. movie with, you know, insane line reads like left and right. Uh, and it's still an awesome story. It's still it's still very fun. Uh, just the first and the third to me are, are like standout, like very, very good, like feature film worthy stories. I uh, don't know if I ever told you guys this, but speaking, I brought them up earlier, but Regal, because I have so many goddamn rewards from having a Regal Unlimited uh, subscription. Oh, you got a little magazine? Had, yeah, I got a French Dispatch magazine that Hell actually yeah. has the little vignette stories oh, inside of it. It's very, that. yeah, it's like a nice little collector's item. Yeah, I, I love this movie. It was the hardest thing to cut. Um, It was like firmly in my top 10 until I crammed a bunch of movies at the last minute. It's beautiful. It's, I think right now I have it. I was trying to find my list I've had number four in my Wes Anderson rankings right now. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's probably top half for me. Um, final shout out, Tilda Swinton, we didn't even mention. Yeah. Is, oh, yeah, for the first. fucking yeah. insane. Dude, <laughs> well, speaking I, of teeth, <laughs> those chompers. She she is so, man, she she's a gem. She I think she's appropriately appreciated by like movie people. Movie oh, people yeah. know. Yeah. Like she is, she is a goddess. Society don't know. I uh, I wanted to just say that like more than anything else, I latched on to the visuals in this movie. Because like that's what it's about. Yeah. Like this thing, like I just I remember sitting in that theater and just being like completely mind blown that he still found more fucking crazy shit to do with the camera and with the actors and with the sets like in sets like. It is just mind blowing that he just yeah. keeps he finds it's, it's more. like it's silliness. It's, it's like the best use of the dollhouse aesthetic since Steve Zissou. But I I like this movie more than Life Aquatics. So. It, yeah, I think I said, well, when we initially talked about it, but it's literally like he goes into every pre-production thinking, how can I make this as hard as possible? Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's and, insane and the, amount, the amount of detail. That's the thing. And, and he kind of weaves that into the story the 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 themes a little bit especially with the final one where it's like you get into the idea of like you know seeking perfection right and like that kind of like endless search for perfection uh kind of the the it's i I guess it's the chef who's like finding like the perfect the the illustrious like taste that he's never tasted and he tasted when it kills him basically spoilers but that's kind of like the entire uh, one of the main themes of the movie, like fully encapsulated, is like Wes just like always pushing that, you know, that that little bit of a meta thread there of like constantly searching for perfection and what that quest can do to you, the the sort of impact it can have on you. Um, because I I don't know if it's a if 
Wes Anderson might be like the funnest guy to hang out with, <laughs> but it's just no, that kind of guy. I, he seems like a bad hang. <laughs> I would love to like hang out with him and like have a beer, but I do not want to talk movies with him. I feel like that would just be. I want to talk about like interior designing right. with Wes, but nobody does it like him. I want Wes Anderson to come to my house and like Wes Andersonify in my living room. Yeah, it's it's just exceptional. Like I. You know, I know a lot of people like to write him off just because it's like, oh, he's just doing the same movie over and over again. But like if you're in the bag for this kind of stuff and if if you love movies, you know, if you're listening to podcasts about movies like you fucking should appreciate shit like this because nobody else yeah. is doing what this man I, is doing. I will say that especially over the last over the last couple of years, I've just kind of gained an appreciation for an artist when you can watch their work and say, that's a Wes Anderson movie or that is a Denis Villeneuve movie or like something like that. When you can feel that this was made Spielberg. I mean, shit like West side story feels like a fucking Spielberg movie. And Wes Anderson is the most obvious probably of all of them. Like there's no mistaking that there is a Wes Anderson movie on purpose and it's purposeful. And I think that people also have turned against it because of kind of the copycats that he has created that do that try to do the shtick, but then do it much worse because they don't have the eye that Wes has. It's he's kind of like the strokes of filmmaking (laughs) where like people love to shit on him just like they love to just, shit on yeah, the and just and probably like half of like young bands this is young new filmmakers abnormal? owe owe a lot yeah. to, to the strokes or wes anderson like it, it, edgar wright is another one of those people mm-hmm. uh, for for young filmmakers yeah. because you know it's all style we uh we paired them together for yeah. a review what yeah, um, for last night in soho and french, uh, dispatch. french dispatch you can discussion. listen to more thoughts uh in that episode so French Dispatch is Drew seven and my six. So I think we're at your six, Hunter. My number six, uh, we're going to have to wait on because it includes somebody who is in the French Dispatch. Uh, my number six is Dune. Dune. Yeah, we're going to have to wait on that. Yeah, as Ernie's sitting over here with his Dune shirt on. Huh. <laughs> yeah, you he literally has a Dune, Dune shirt. shirt. I had a feeling that we were going to have to wait to talk yeah. about that one. I thought that was just a big picture of Timmy Chalamet, but it also <laughs> says Dune really small. <laughs> Like in his mouth. <laughs> All right, Drew, number six. Uh, I I did want to talk about Judas and the Black Messiah. Be- Good. Because it came out last year and it feels like it came out like 20 years yeah. ago. Yeah. It feels Daniel like it came Kaluuya out won ago. an Oscar for his yeah. performance and, already. And he deserved it. Yeah. He earned the fuck out of it. Um, critiques have come uh, from the left for this movie as time has gone on uh, legitimate critiques as far as like historical precedent and accuracy go is uh, like narrative wise the critique that I had and most other people had is that we spend a lot of time uh, not following Fred around we, we you want to be around Fred because he yeah. is giving an Oscar worthy performance you feel like the movie would mm-hmm. uh, be considerably better if we had more screen time with him. Yeah, with with Fred Hampton, which yeah. is who Daniel Kaluuya is playing. That said, we are tragically forced to follow around like Keith Stanfield. Giving <laughs> who rocks. An equally fucking yeah. awesome performance. Awesome people performance. Just, people don't like because he's a very unlikable person yeah, the, in this movie. Yeah, the, yeah that, that, therein That's lies light. the problem. That, that lies the political issues people have uh, with this movie and the structural issues is this... Uh, the man that he's playing named Bill O'Neill, the rat, yeah. um, is 
hard to access. He's a very opaque character. He, his real life motivations and, and a lot about him were sort of unknown and it didn't really seem like he had an insanely, uh, he didn't have as much behind his motivations as Fred Hampton did. Obviously he mostly was just trying to live. Um, that it's not to say that that's not compelling to watch. Like we love uh, like, well, the genius thing this movie does is that it's a crime movie. Yeah, exactly. Like That's the thing is like, that's part of why it's compelling because there's this inherent tension of the betrayal there. Yeah, there is. Uh, it didn't, it by no means ruined the movie for me because also, um, the time allocation set aside. Shaka King is directing the absolute fuck out of the movie. Yeah. Um, and I think that that is, I think that's going to be the thing that's most tragically lost to time because we'll remember that we'll remember Kaluuya. He won the Oscar Shaka King. He directed an awesome fucking action movie. Yeah. Um, it's, it's dark. It's dour. It's, uh, it it has the lightness and entertainment to keep you on board when this could be a really fucking tough watch. And it is at times when it's supposed to be, but the entertainment factor is fucking there, man. Like th- this has the, you know, it, it's, it's been said it's tired, but it has the Scorsese feel sometimes Yeah, where like yeah, departed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he, yeah, it's departed. Yeah. 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 Plot plot wise. Absolutely. But also like he, he's giving you good action. Like this very well could have just been an Oscar movie for Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah. Um, with or without really, really good direction. Like Kaluuya mm-hmm. is so undeniable that it, I don't think it really matters. Well, that speech, it's, his speech kind of reads like an action scene. It's it's because it, it reads get, like rallying the troops like before a big it reads like uh fucking Ed Harris in The Rock or something like that. Like, well, you get the shots of fucking Jesse Plemons watching him the whole mm-hmm. time, you know, and you it's just it feels like something's about to pop in that room. Yeah, it's I but you are. I mean, it's a freight train of a performance, though. Like it is something that is so undeniable that there hasn't been one of those like undeniable performances in a while where it's just like, we keep saying like, Oh, Daniel Kaluuya, Daniel Kaluuya. And it's like, he's like, no bitch. Like I've arrived. I am here and I am the best. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not a one-to-one comp because it's a very different type of thing, but it's like watching Denzel in training day where you're like, Whoa, this is like, this is an Oscar. You take the Oscar. Yeah. Take the Oscar. It's like, I look forward to the next 20 years of your service, mm -hmm. sir. Thank you very much. But but yet very different performances because this is a very warm character. Um, Whereas, you know, Denzel is always on like the cutting edge of, of terrifying. Uh, The movie just rocks in general. It, I, I agree with with the critiques about time allocation. Um, it it didn't sink everything for me. Also, shout out to Deborah Johnson or well, the character is Deborah Johnson. Dominique Fishback Oof. plays her. Yes, uh, weighty role, a role really that could have been, just been a sort of a side thing, and uh, she brings a lot to it. It's a good movie. Hey, Jesse Plemons. Um, so Jesse Plemons is actually really good at being just despicable. This, this is the movie that I was flip-flopping between, uh, with West Side Story. Like this was on my list and I couldn't, I just, I just made a call and just switched it with West Side Story. But this has been on my top 10 for the entire year. It's just been like right up there. Fucking love this movie since, you know, first saw it almost an entire year ago. Yep. Um, and I just, 
it was up there until it wasn't. I, you know, that's the thing with this year. It's just so stacked, but I'm so glad it made it on, on your list, Drew, because it, it deserves to be up there. It's, it's a fucking triumph yeah. of a and movie. Shaka King deserves a lot more love than he's gotten, even though at the time he got a decent amount. He, he, he needs more. Yep. No, a hundred percent. You guys are, I, it was on my top 10 for the longest time. And I was just like, oh, well, we like already talked about it. So I'm just going to like bump it down and bump it down. And like right now, just looking at, I have at 17 on my list. Like it could easily be up higher. Like it's a fucking great movie, man. Judas and the Black Messiah. Drew's number six. We're number five. All right. Look at us. And we're at the hour mark. Reason through. Look at that. Um, this one, I think we're going to have to wait for Drew. Um, I'm going to talk more about. overlap today. Um, what? A lot more overlap. That's yeah. why we're breezing. Uh, I don't think this one's going to have any overlap. I want to talk about Ryosuke Hamaguchi's uh, new film, Drive My Car. Nice. Do you guys have a chance to no, see this film? No, this is one that is universally on every top list of the year. It's getting really, like best picture from every major yeah. critics yeah. Um, association. It is one of those things that I... It's not going to have the same kind of cultural impact as something like Parasite did because Parasite is a genre film. And so therefore it's much more accessible to like laymen. Yeah. It's, but, it's also, you know, it's made to be accessible. But this movie does have some accessibility to it despite, and this is everybody brace yourselves, listeners, whenever I say this, it's a three hour Japanese film. When you say that, people, that's just going to immediately turn off like, 75% of your audience right there when you say it's a three hour Japanese film. <laughs> um, it is a story about um, a man who is uh, trying to put on a performance of a checkoff play um, in Hiroshima following uh, some loss that he has had in his life and trying to do um a performance of the Chekhov play Uncle Vanya, um, very famous Chekhov play, uh, a kind of experimental version on this where there's some people speaking Japanese, there's some people speaking Chinese, some people speaking Korean, some people using sign language, very experimental version of this to kind of show the universality of Chekhov. And this is a story about grief. The play is itself and kind of the film as a whole is using this play as a metaphor of sorts. Um, again, I know that turns a lot of people off whenever I'm saying this. I didn't know what this checkoff play was about. You do not have to have this kind of background knowledge going into no. this movie. Something that's um, uh, uh, it's about grief uh, expressed through a play, huh? Mm. Me and Ernie are sort of listening. A yeah. Station Eleven heads over yeah. here. Oh, oh, okay. We're all sort right. of. <laughs> oh, oh, all right. <laughs> you you um, have my ear. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's. It's truly just like a mind blowing movie with how well executed it is. Um, Did they drive is, the car? Uh, well, somebody does drive the car. This um, is this is the Beatles is, thing, right? Yeah, that came out this baby, year. You can drive. You can drive my car. Beep beep um, whip beep yeah yeah. Um, <laughs> it's it's a movie that and the uh, the title card does not drop for this movie until the 40 minute mark which <laughs> just fucking like that rocks just putting it putting your balls on the table right there hamaguchi just like letting it go and the first 40 minutes or so of this movie are kind of like a prelude of sorts to the other two hours that are to come and i say that because in a lot of other movies, this would have just been two hours and 
everything that happened the first 40 minutes would just been dropped with some kind of an exposition dump in the middle and it would have sucked and we would have been like this is forcing um this is forced exposition so that we can understand the character's motivations more yada yada but that first chunk that you see becomes so important for influencing what you know about the character uh, about the characters specifically about um yusuke kafka who uh is played by hedatoshi nashimi nashima i'm sorry i'm no i just butchered the shit out of that name i'm so sorry um Miyazaki fans will know him. He's the voice of Hanjo and uh, The Wind Rises, 2013's film. Um, he's unbelievably good. Like, it is truly one of the best performances of the year that he, his performance, if I was going to describe it, it's kind of riding the line between melancholy and stoicism. And it's something that is so hard to portray and not just come across as flat, but instead, his performance is anything but it's so layered. It's so deep. And there's kind of this untapped texture to him that you just want to go and explore more, explore what is going on in his head. It's, it's fascinating. It's a beautiful movie. I also did want to shout out, uh, Hamaguchi made another film this year. It's called, uh, the wheel of fortune and fantasy. That is similar to French Dispatch, uh, a triptych of three vignettes, each of them 40 minutes long, um, that kind of touch on this idea of love and uh, loss of love and kind of yearning. Um, Also, another just really, really beautiful movie. That one is available to rent right now. Drive My Car is not out yet, but I think it should be coming out soon. yeah, we're That's, blue. We're blue collar uh, podcasters. We don't yeah. get a, a sick invite. Uh, yeah, you know, just me out here. No, but I I'm so happy that so many critic circles are recognizing this movie because if this can just get a few more eyes on a film like this, then it's doing its job. Like it did its job for me. I just kept seeing this movie repeatedly. Like one best picture at the New York's film critic circle and and, LA and LA and Seattle. And like, it just kept happening. I was like, all right, I have to check this movie out. And now I'm a fan for life. Like I really want to go back and watch Ryosuke's other films, uh, Asako one and two passion. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's a truly beautiful movie. I cannot recommend it enough. If you know what you're getting into, um, again, I know just the premise alone is going to turn a lot of people off, but I, I promise you it's worth your time. It is really accessible. If you can watch a fucking mini series, then you can watch this movie. If you need to get up and take a pee break or something like that, that's fine. Um, but yeah, it's a beautiful movie. Wonderful. That's drive my car. It's Hunter's number five. My number five is Teton. Ooh, damn. Top Tetan. five. Tetan. Tetan. Um, I really wanted to catch this one. We won't get Wild into movie. full spoilers Fuck because I, I would love for you to see this. I don't trip. know how to talk because I went in completely blind. I had no idea what was happening going into this movie. And then the first 15 minutes, I said, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> and then you just keep saying that over and over yeah, for and then two just hours. Rinse and repeat. <laughs> Um, have you seen Raw before? No, Julie I DeCarnos? No. Now, I really want to go back and watch Raw now after seeing Titan. This movie is fucking insane. 
it does shit that I did not expect. It or does see some coming, malignant shit, honestly. That is. Or it's seen in any other movie. It is what some might call deeply upsetting imagery. Um, I would not show this movie to your mom or, you know, anybody that has any kind of humanity your left mom's in like them. Sick as fuck. <laughs> but this movie again is one of those movies that I, I put on in my living room and it just fucking grabbed me by the throat and held me down for two ish hours and didn't let go. And I just was completely, absolutely transfixed the whole time. Uh, it's a French movie. Um, and again, like Hunter said, the less you know about it, the better. But it it deals with um, body horror, mechanical body horror. Um, it deals with gender and identity. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, it kind of goes it's kind of split into into two and the, the first half is very kind of like you know doing a lot of kind of like horror thriller genre thing there's a lot of like intense visceral moments and then it changes into something else mm-hmm. and then it becomes something a lot more kind of subdued and and kind of like more beautiful yeah, and tender there's a warmness to it yeah. which is I will say that is because people talking about this movie just kind of focus mostly on the tone of the first half. I was not especially I saw the trailer for this, which is one of the best fucking trailers of the last few years. Um, And it is like. I just I had no idea that this movie had like a warmness at its core, but it really does. It's it's got some sweetness to it. And it's like weirdly funny too. It's got yes. like a very it's dark another movie that it's it's okay humor. if you laugh at it. Like it is there's some it's, humor there. It's ridiculous. Like there's shit in here that it's just like you just have to give yourself over to it. It, it kind of has a little bit of that malignant energy where you just kind of have to like be like, all right, this movie has left the atmosphere <laughs> and we're you just going to gonna do that go very early on into time. Yeah. Like at like the 10 minute mark, you're either in or yeah. you're out. And there's one thing that happens early on that some people might just say, fuck this movie <laughs> and turn it off immediately. I'm and glad I it lets not. you know early enough that yeah. it's operating on that wavelength. Cause then it just kind of goes from there. But, but yeah, it does, it does settle into like this, this groove that, that it is a little bit more quiet and a little bit more tender, but but it still has that intensity. Like, I, I don't want to give too much away, but I, I really want to talk about like the, the two main things in my head are obviously the filmmaking, like the colors, the shots. There's some fucking incredible camera work. There's some things in here that are just like stunningly constructed sequences that just look better than any movie of the last year, like just images that are burned into my brain, but also the the acting. The performances are top, top, top tier. We've got uh, Vincent Lindon and Agatha, Agatha Roselle as the as the leads. And man, man, they knock it out of yeah. the park. There's the, I, OK, there is a scene in which a character is performing a sort of self-abortion and you don't see it. All you see, the the only, the camera is just held on a close-up of the actor, the, of her face, and that's all you see. But man, 
It's haunting. It is a it's, absolutely gutting sequence. And it's all in her face. It's gutting mm. because of her acting. Because you don't you're you're not seeing like any fucking gross shit. You just know what she's doing and you just see her reaction to it. And you buy it. You're in it immediately. You you the 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 disgust in the and the intensity the grossness the fucking deep deep don't reaction. it's it is a movie but it, you are right though that it's a body horror movie but also it has restraint at just the right points yeah because it's it not knows like when to it's pull not, back it's not taking the camera to like that it's just holding on her face mm-hmm. and like the fact that this movie does that and it just relies on the performance to give you the feeling fucking incredible fucking incredible and there's so many moments like that i also i don't want to spoil it but it had one of my favorite needle drops of the year and a certain scene for an artist who we love oh um, future islands yeah Dude. there's a future islands needle yes. drop that he just does the best thing in a needle drop which is when you have a, you whenever you have a good needle drop you just fucking let the whole song play yeah, yeah you're just like fuck it we aren't just hearing yeah. like 12 seconds then kind of way he just lets the but whole also, song also play. dancing because so dancing yeah. is a thing in this movie yes so when 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 the characters it can be dance, beautiful and also haunting yeah <laughs> there's some scenes where it's just like very upsetting <laughs> watching yeah. the dancing but the the that scene in particular with the future island song, i've now just been listening to that song i every it day sent me back into listening to that whole album yeah singles fucking yeah. awesome album um oh my god this movie rocks yeah i don't know if i'll be able to watch it again maybe <laughs> it's pretty intense i'm really looking forward to it because it's a movie that i think is going to really um necessitate rewatchability for a lot of because so much of it the first time that you watch this movie you're just trying to wrap your mind around what the fuck is happening yeah. <laughs> so i am looking forward to watching it again to pick up on some more of the um like tonal and story beats and stuff like that. Yeah, we can we can dig more into spoilers once you get a chance to see it, Drew, because it is so worth it. Just absolutely incredible movie. Um, it's Titan. It is. Don't my- you dare oh. call it Titan. 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 <laughs> it's yeah, my I, number. I five. saw that new. I saw that new Julia Dickern movie. Titan. 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 Tit Annie. Titanic. Tit Tit Annie. <laughs> they remade Titanic. <laughs> my number five. <laughs> this is my turn, right? Yeah, I was going to yeah, say it was also uh, Hunter's 10. Yeah. yeah. You're number five. Uh, the Green Knight? You're going to have to wait on that one. You're going to have to wait on that one. Wow. I didn't I didn't know if you guys would Let's go, it. baby. I didn't know you guys are that high on it. Let's fucking go. Great um, movie. My number four, we're going to have to wait on. I will say... We're in hollow territory now. Like my top four, I now think are like, I might say that all four of these movies might be borderline perfect in my opinion. My number four is Red Rocket. Nice. Just a bit. Okay. Just a little bit. Okay. Wow. 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 Okay. So we're at my number four. <laughs> we're going to have to wait on this one too. It is Licorice Pizza. Yep. Yeah. Let's talk about the power of the dog. Oh, wow. Nice. It's number my number four. Um, Jane Campion. It's on Netflix. Yeah, my first Jane Campion movie. Have same. Seen, haven't seen the piano. Mm-hmm. Um, movie rocks hard. Movie. It's 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 the type of movie when watching it, you're like, this 
like you could you could go in fully dry and be like okay this is one of the better directors of our time <laughs> that yeah, I'm, I'm watching right there's now. there's a real like expert handle yeah on like this specific tone that this movie is going for because it's it's a western mm-hmm. it's set in i think montana shot in new zealand and so we kind of know a little bit going into it of like what to expect from something like that. But there's this very subtle, just like eeriness to it. Very. Yeah, very much. Uh, And that, I don't know, that's sort of a hallmark of really great direction to me is you don't moment to moment. A feeling is created that it's, it's an energy that a director could do anything with. Yeah. You know, and, it, and she kind of does. There's things in this movie that like I haven't really seen in other Westerns done specifically like this. And and I think that the how she plays with like the idea of like masculinity mm-hmm. and like what you expect from like the big, strong cowboy, the ruthless, like heroic man of the West and and kind of plays with that and toys with that and twists it and molds it into different shapes, I think is absolutely incredible. And my guy, Benedict Cumberbatch, just so stunning in this movie. Benedict Cumberbatch is a guy who I wouldn't call my guy. I've never. Oh, you're not a big Doctor Strange fan. Mm. Full disclosure. I've never liked him really even a little bit in anything. I, 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 I thought you were like really excited for multiverse of madness. Yeah. Yeah. Really. I really talking about that. Not a big fan of his doctor strange. I've said it before. I'll say it again. He's doing Hugh Laurie's house with that <laughs> character. It's not, I'm not joking. Um, also not a big fan of Sherlock. Uh, obviously not a big fan of imitation game, but you are a big fan of Bronco Henry. Mm. No. <laughs> Guys, no, who is your Bronco behind. Henry? I told Colin that he's my Bronco. Henry. <laughs> That's gross. <laughs> I was like, Colin, you're my Bronco Henry for cinema. Jeez. <laughs> I just, just like sit around sniffing. with you guys. I'm like, you can't well, just... Colin, Colin told me about this movie. And yeah, you're like, <laughs> Colin, just... as I'm just like braiding. Yeah. No, you're like sniffing his loins. <laughs> yeah. Colin gave me this um, Blu-ray. He sat so on it. I will say I this movie's just outside my top 10. I'll be honest. I like I enjoyed it. I appreciate it while watching this movie, but I didn't it didn't hit me in the same way while watching it. But it's a movie that I have not stopped thinking about. Yes, which is it's it's something that me and Colin just like talked about the other day. We were just talking about like he was like, I had a power of the dog moment whenever I was at work the other day. And like just kind of (laughs) no, that's what I was thinking, too. He said it was about a different thing. But um. <laughs> it, it's a movie that just kind of has resonated with me and I just kind of it's left a just a taste in my mouth that I can't really get out and I don't really want to get out. Then this is I there's a lot of movies that I tried to cram in the last minute. This was at the top of my movies to rewatch. Cuz I'm almost positive it's, if I rewatch this movie it's man, going on my top. It's 10. definitely worth a rewatch. Uh it it rules really really hard. Nothing like going in, I didn't I didn't know even know Benedict was in it. I knew nothing other than that. Like it looked like a Western. Right. Um, what I, I I never got to finish my thought about Benedict. So everyone thinks I just explicitly hate him. He is so good in this movie. Yeah, I've never it might actually be his best performance period. I, I haven't. Obviously, those three things that I had mentioned aren't enough to judge him by. But I have. Th- this is another level for me, for him. Um, obviously, being you know such a gruff cowboy uh character 
that's you wouldn't think to cast him. Uh, it becomes clear as the movie goes on why you would cast him yes. in that role. But beady eyes. <laughs> oh yeah, also yeah, it looks like an alien, just yeah, like just, just like the kid. Yeah, him and Cody Smith McPhee just <laughs> out aliens. Wild, him. yeah, most wild really, eyes you'll ever yeah, see. Yeah, you, you you think that Benedict's <laughs> eyes are are uh, distance apart? Just wait. <laughs> and you see Cody Smith McPhee, and you're like, man, that guy looks like fucking Sid from Ice Age. Yeah, <laughs> but the uh, Benedict has always been sort of I don't know he has this inherent like woundedness to him like you just like looking at him and right. and you know he he's good at playing like that up through shit when he acts yeah he just seems like like not an open wound but just like someone who is fearful I guess um and it's really really well served by this role in which he has to his his character has all of that buried so deeply under this insanely gruff persona um and not even just gruff frankly fucking evil yeah it's just like a just a fucking horrible guy yeah um like a a a villain but it's not it it, yes it is villainous but it's not that it's not that clear cut because the the genius thing that this movie does is where it leaves you first of all it doesn't hold your hand it really Mm -hmm. makes you work for it and it expects you to be paying close attention because like when the movie ended, I was like, I kind of sat there kind of confused and like, you know, given the benefit of Netflix, I could literally just like click and like rewatch like a couple of scenes just to kind of like wrap my head around like what the ending was trying to do. And then like, yeah, like you said, like I kind of sat on it for a few days and would kind of keep going back to it. And he he does have this like very evil tinge to his performance and the character on paper is very evil but you kind of like you kind of sympathize with him like the way it's put together yeah. you kind of see like well, yeah because it's a smart movie yeah it's, it's, so it's yeah. not just going to make someone explicitly bad you yeah. understand where it's, he's coming from but then also it's not the even kid- a bad thing it's not even like an evilness to it it's more of a coldness this movie a lot of this movie i would just kind of say that it's very cold but, at points. Yeah. well but through the perspective of, of kirsten dunst this is an explicitly evil person right that yes. is ruining her life Tor- on, on purpose her like yeah. he is and he is uh, I'll just say this is a movie that is about what happens when your homie gets a GF. Yeah. Um, and it's your brother. I mean, you're when your brother's your homie. When, when, and- yeah. When your bro, when your bro is just a dumb fucking idiot. Yeah. When, when your brother's when Jesse Plemons, when your brother is Jesse Plemons and you're fucking, he goes into wife mode. Yeah. So, so Benedict's character is like this incredibly, he's like an insanely accomplished and well-educated cowboy. Who Uncle like, Phil. Who, yeah. Who chooses to live like dirty and Westernly yeah. when he, he likes it. He stinky. went to Yale though. Yeah. He, because it is, uh, you know, it's, it's a place for him to uh, conceal. Uh, Jesse Plemons is his in, just immensely average brother. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's such a play, good. Guy. I've never seen somebody just play normal. It's like so, Jesse Plemons. It's such does. a good role for him. Where he's <laughs> I just love like, him so. It's much. like it's like dude. A, the scene where he's trying to make Kristen Dunst play the piano is like one of the most uncomfortable things. Oh, that when I she can't do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just it's so for the guests. It makes me like want to peel my skin off. I love Kirsten in this. Um, love her in general. Cody Smith McPhee. Is just, kid, I mean, an unknown. The kid's good. Yeah, so that kid is incredible. Kid, this character is kind of the key to the movie because, yeah. like, there's certain there's without kind of giving too much away. It, there's certain things that happen in the last like twenty ish minutes of the movie that you know are between 
the kid and, and Cumberbatch that really recontextualize like pretty much the entire movie. And if you're being very careful and paying attention, all of those things are set up in the movie. It doesn't come out of nowhere. It's very expertly kind of seated, but you, you kind of the way the title is explained at the very, very end. And you see kind of like, but not explicitly explained, not explicitly. And you see kind of like what the Cody Smith McPhee character does to sort of, um, you know, protect his mother and, 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 you know, be there for his mother when she's in this place of torment. It really like kind of flips your interpretation of the movie in a really big way. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what I was. I, think, I was investigating other scenes to be like, oh, my God, I didn't realize yeah. that that was even a setup to what this kid does. And that's what I end. mean about a rewatch is like I can't I just I just ran out of time that I cannot wait to reinvestigate this yeah. movie after seeing the, how it ends. So I don't know. It, it's probably because of. uh what a big chunk of my movie diet was last year, but not not a, a thing in this movie snuck up on me at, at all. It was really just from moment one. I'm like, all right, I yeah, we're we're I see where we're going here. Uh, didn't ruin a thing, you know. It's it, I I've heard other people say like there, you know, there are both sides of it. Like you can see it or you can't. Sort of like uh that that dog Kinda in like the, the dog. Over there. Yeah, the 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 thing I'm getting more at in terms of it being a surprise is really that the actions of Cody Smith McPhee. Yeah. It's, not so yeah, much yeah. kind of no, like no, no, that, the that, backstory of Benedict No, I know. I've, I've, I've seen people uh, surprised about where that goes as well. Not yeah. you. I, I, yeah, I know that because the breadcrumbs the, for that are very there. The, yeah. the, the backstory of Benedict, like if you're not picking up on that, you're it's just kind not of, paying yeah, attention up to the movie. movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you're just on your phone. Um, this, this, <laughs> which it is on Netflix. So yeah. you know, that is a thing. This kid, this is a tricky performance to nail though. And he really does because he has to be, a, he's a strong character. Yeah. He's, he has a lot of mental fortitude, this fucking kid. Yeah. You know, he doesn't really exhibit a lot of weakness. The only weakness he exhibits is aesthetic. Right. And, and and when when it's juxtaposed against like the cowboys of the wild west, there's even a scene where they like shit on him. They like make fun of him. Yeah, there's multiple like looking yeah, like because scrawny. Yeah. yeah, because he's you know pretty clearly different. Yeah. Um, so yeah, where this movie goes is is excellent. The one scene has like one of my favorite. I don't. It's kind of intentional, but it's it's a really really incredible uh, couple of line reads from Benedict. I won't spoil what it's about. What is when what, he's like, you just saw that? You just you saw that just now. You just <laughs> it's it's really he's on another level here, and I didn't I've never been a fan of the guy, and I think that great accent. I would here. I would be I'd be fine with him getting an Oscar for this because it's a really, really uh it's really layered performance. Yeah. It's gonna be it's it's tough. It's looking like it's between him and uh Andrew Garfield. Will Will's totally out of it at this point? Will Smith oh, yeah, for Will. King Richard. Fucking hell, goddamn. He's gonna need to kick good his be, campaign. Good best actor uh nominations this year. Um yeah, no, it's beautiful. Every year there's one streaming movie where I'm like, God fucking damn it, why couldn't I get a chance to see this movie? Yeah, this would have been a great it's Can you it's, imagine seeing this movie in like IMAX screen it, yeah, or something? Yeah, we, we didn't like, give enough time towards thing. saying that this is masterfully directed. It is it's directed with the hand so of so stupidly of anyone. beautiful. Like you could you could put the 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 vision here up there with any any mm. master of the craft really really well done movie um also shout out to the banjo love love to see hey. a, a good banjo in a movie yeah yeah 
Um, I heard that I heard that Ben does all of his own banjo scenes and uh, Johnny Greenwood did the score for this movie. And I'll also oh my God, great yeah. fucking score. Yeah. Haunting the, again, that eeriness is because of the score. Super fucking dissonant. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and shout out Spencer here who um, Johnny Greenwood, Greenwood also did the score for, which is the Princess Diana movie. Didn't quite make my list, but um, we love to see our guy just getting that money and like putting in the work to kind of elevate the vibe of a movie. Uh, the song uh, 25 Years is like that kind of like rolling acoustic guitar yeah. kind of dark uh, song that really it just puts you in the, the right headspace for this movie. Check that one out on the soundtrack. Oh, it's the it's the opening track to the soundtrack. Um, but yeah, The Power of the Dog. Awesome movie. I hope it gets um, the recognition it deserves. I mean, we could see Campion winning her her oscar for I this mean, yep absolutely which would be cool yeah she give, got yeah, give it to her like this is up there with any and i, I want to see all her movies now i can't believe this is the first one um yeah i mean she I've hasn't seen. made a ton of movies especially recently i think this is her first movie in 12 years i believe Jeez. um yeah wow um but yeah no exactly it's that same thing i was talking about with hamaguchi where it's just like cool like i'm now a fan for life now i want to go more explore more of these films yeah she she just like destroys this fucking movie Great movie. The Power of the Dog. My number four. Yeah. And my number eight. And so... Hunter fucking hated it. I have it at number 12. <laughs> okay. It's it's just outside the top. And you, you honestly did see like more than three times the movies I saw this year. So that like tracks like numerically. <laughs> yeah, just kind numerically of is your number four. <laughs> um, my number three is The Green Knight. Hey. You're going to have to wait on that one because oh, it's also my, my number three. <laughs> Okay, and it's my um, it's my number five. Yeah, um, Green Knight Rock. Man, talk about a movie that's like lingered in my head forever, especially because and <laughs> it's funny. I was like, I might have been talking with one of you guys about it, or I can't remember who I was talking to about. It, but um, I, of course, I fucking love this movie. I think this movie is perfect. Uh, we all saw this movie in theaters together when it came out, and it just kind of like stayed in my head as like, oh yeah, that's number one. But I hadn't thought about it for a little bit. And then I saw The Tragedy of Macbeth, which I'm going to go ahead and spoil the remainder of our list is not on any of our lists. Um, if I got to go out on a yeah, here. that movie is um, actually uh, going to end you know up what? pretty, pretty low on my list. Um, so here's the thing about that movie is that it is while it is stunningly beautiful. Turns out this Cohen guy, he's got an eye for cinema. Yeah, um, there's it feels cold and distance and uninspired yeah in yeah, a way it turns out william shakespeare kind of sucks yeah uh yeah <laughs> no it turns out <laughs> say hey, it you know what here's the thing is that like shakespeare it's shakespeare guys shakespeare is in everything we can't just criticize something for being like oh you know west side story like i didn't like the story it's like well you don't like romeo and juliet i guess um the difference is that at least these other movies are putting on the veil of some kind of a new story <laughs> to try to retell the same tale as old as time. Green Knight does that successfully. It yeah, is taking the old folklore and inspiring it and turning this fantasy, this fantastical world Sir and Gowan. all these crazy elements of Sir Gawain, this legendary uh, story of medieval times and modernizing it in yeah. a unbelievably interesting way yes a few it's, things that you see in this movie visually aren't in that story <laughs> read like almost everything yeah this is yeah this is like the definition of visual liberties taken with a script that 
much like tragedy of Macbeth is largely pretty, you know, it's, it's dry folklore, like not changing much. Yeah. Um, th- y- this is, this, this is the movie, even if you're not a visually oriented film watcher, this has visuals that'll stick with you all year. If you watch it and you it, should, it yeah. just looks like a billion dollars, man. It looks, like you could have yeah. told me this movie costs $250 this million. Dollars, I'd be like, yep. And it's just, it's just a measly little a 24 movie. Obviously, you know, probably has like a sizable budget. You can tell, but it's a fraction of what fucking Spider-Man. Yeah. Costs. The budget's $15 million. Right. It's a sub 20, like fucking malignant had over double the budget yeah. of this movie like it's just and it david lowry is like one of the best visual filmmakers that we have who's working right yeah. now and i think i i love a ghost story i think that's one of the best movies of the last few years mm-hmm. but i think that he's kind of doing the same he's kind of playing on the same themes in green knight but just on a much bigger more cinematic scale like the the whole idea of like kind of time you know d- destroying us all and and our lives being meaningless in the face of the eternity of time is captured beautifully in a in a love mm-hmm. in a ghost story but in this movie in green knight he 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 does that and then more and and layers on more things and keeps it more interesting yeah. and has it be like this richer more lush and 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 thick and musty and and dirty movie that sexy yeah Dev Patel, Patel stinks the sexiest man alive I don't care what anybody says yeah no one smelly. is hotter than Dev Patel so um, it, he's also really really well cast in this perfect he's so good. um he's got both like the obviously the 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 gallivant knight uh, he looks like a guy who like could be a guy but like isn't necessarily which is exactly yeah. what the green knight is it's exactly. a guy who just sort of decides like yeah you know i could be i could be this guy yeah. because he has like a very slight dopiness to him right that's exactly what this character and then needs. yeah if you just see him riding on his horse you're like yep that's a knight yeah, yeah for sure but yeah but it's not like he's like you know 220 pounds right pure muscle or anything um and he's he's not uh, overdoing it performance wise and, and the writing isn't overdoing it for him because he, every single person he runs into rules in the whole movie. Yeah. Alicia Vikander, Joel she Edgerton. Rocks, she rocks in Barry Kogan. Big uh, he, uh, he could win the uh, whatever that other fucking guy's name is award for like best like one or two scenes. <laughs> yeah. Like he, he, he's a little shithead. He comes. Yeah. He comes in in I think a crucial moment where we're like we're getting toward the second act and we're almost wanting a bit of a change up and he brings a big change up I, I'm gonna go ahead and say right now this is gonna be my pick for the honestly visually stunning award of the year it's kind of in the bag this, isn't it I think that this is just like not a lot of it's it's stupid well, they, they, how good this looks I mean well, David Lowry did like take us to that dinner and he did pay for it <laughs> Yeah, with the yeah, we, we had to get bought since yeah. Golden Globes. Well, I was invited to the Arrakis now. dinner, so I don't know about oh, you know, you guys. And yeah, your but it was vote. it was I'll literally just head. like Tim Chalamet's <laughs> shit. <laughs> and so no, you are just, going to vote for you. That. Just got to like sit in the pain box and just be like, ooh, ah. <laughs> um, I just it, this movie's so good. I wrote a whole fucking article about this like way back when this movie came out because I fucking love this movie. I've seen it three times now. Oh, I think I've seen yeah. it the most of any movie this year. Yeah. Um, it's it's fucking perfect, man. Like it's it is 
warm in a way that is like not not like a rom-com or anything like like it doesn't have it's the same like a warmness. comfort yeah it is it's just it's fucking yeah. comfort food to me this movie Th- which that's that's gonna come across as crazy to a lot of people too like yeah people I, who uh who haven't seen it couldn't recommend it to everyone it, it's it it is slow Mm-hmm. Yeah, on purpose. It's not an action it's, adventure. It's, yeah. No, all. it definitely like people are going to go into it thinking like, ah, it's Dungeons and Dragons and real life. No, it is. Not- it is slow cinema by design. It's supposed to feel like a weird ass dream. And it does. It's I feel like it's comfort food to you because it's like a warmer uh, Lynch type. Of feel. Uh, well, not even so. It's kind of just. It's basically it's everything that I want from a fantasy story where it's not it's not relying on um let me see how the best way to phrase this because I don't want to like shit on a lot of other movies that I do enjoy but it's not overcomplicating things. This is a fantasy movie that is very simple. At its core like this is based on a fucking fable that's like a paragraph long. Like you yeah. could just tell somebody exactly One what happened hence. to in the story of this movie but it is using all of the fantasy elements to elevate what is otherwise a pretty flat pretty point a to point b story to take it to make it transcend to take it to another and added so many layers that you can you can pull multiple interpretations Mm. from what the movie's trying to say there's also been like there's a lot of like sections of this movie, like a lot of these movies uh, now that we're getting into the top half where I just like, I just want to just rewatch like just the giants yeah. or like, I want to rewatch just the scene of when guy goes to the house and just see like what the fuck happens whenever he goes in there. Like there's all of these memorable sequences and memorable moments in this movie that I can just pick out from the top of my head and there's burned in my memory. Yeah, it's yeah. Just a lot of like mouth open moments. Yes. So moments that like, the the very very best moments of like a movie like old hits but like this movie is just mostly that you know what i mean like if you compared every movie on your list to old i i've tried to well i mean you know they do age in the one year hence yeah mm-hmm. also he, he is old by a mile the best ending of the year yeah like this i just like even still after watching this now like the last 10 15 minutes of this movie i just like white knuckle it through you're right no you're right Uh, that's a good i think like it is just so perfect i can't ask for the first time i saw it i was like I was like, that's it. Like I felt, I felt like I needed to keep going for like another 20 minutes. And like, I remember it ending with the bell, the ding, ding. and then just kind of sitting there like, like, no, like I was like upset. And then obviously like on the second time through, I know what happens. So it's like, then you go into it knowing exactly the point where it cuts off. It it ends, it ends at, the high it it doesn't have a come down yeah which it has it does the whiplash thing it's just right. like we're ending right here yeah uh, great sound design also particularly when the tree guy moves man um, it sounds like the biggest thing you've ever heard in your life is yeah. moving <laughs> and and very slow too like it really that's that's a thing that lowry does that like patience you, know, you 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 don't see in a lot of these movies uh that are kind of tackling these like big genre things and trying to kind of you know play in the the action adventure area which you know this movie isn't but it's kind of like in those strokes it's like no it's not gonna be whiz bang sword fight 
action sequences. It's going to be these like very quiet, drawn out, you know, meditative sequences Mm -hmm. that really make you sit there and like kind of ponder the, the, the feelings of like, you know, what this, this guy is going through in his quest to be great and noble and, and how futile it is and how, you know, he's putting all his entire life into this quest and it's like, and what of it, what, what's he going to get out of it? You know, meditative is one of the best things that you could use to describe this movie. Cause I feel like that's, that is an adjective that a lot of people ascribe to a ghost story, but not so much to this movie. And this movie just has just as much um, kind of uh, ruminations on yeah. what it's trying to get at, uh, which I will say a ghost story is another like five out of five star movie for me. I think the movie is perfect too, um, in a very different way. That's kind of a movie that like a ghost story is a lot more emotionally impactful. Um, I like, openly weeped multiple times to a ghost story and it's just like Casey Affleck sitting in like a white <laughs> with just a white sheet on him um I want to stop I want to cry dear God, no I'm telling like the way this is why David Lowry is a fucking visual genius is because he can just take moments like that or when just trying to scratch in through the wall to find the little note that gets left behind for him like scenes like that just make me like want to openly weep but then shit like this where it's just like <laughs> it's just Dev Patel just like riding on a horse or just like the camera is panning yeah. around and he's alive and then he's skeleton it just makes me want to like get up and like pump my fist yeah. no you it's only weep when it's a close up of the cum rag that's when you weep mm. yeah <laughs> or you weep for Joel Egerton yeah his, yeah, yeah his, I weep because his... I'm like please cuck me Joel <laughs> the green knight is <laughs> Hunter and I's number three and Drew, you had it at five. So Dune. Oh, wait for it. Wait for it. What's your number two? My number two. This is tough. I've been shuffling things at the last minute, especially with these top three movies. Um, My number two, though, I want to talk very briefly about Yoakam Trier's The Worst Person in the World. Um. Again, this is a movie that not a lot of people have seen, but more people will be seeing yeah. in the next uh, couple weeks it's, here. So. I'm going to I'm going to blame the fact that it's hard to come by as why I didn't watch it, even though you gave me a direct link to watch I it. I did Hunter. send you a di- I sent you both a direct link on how to watch this movie, but that's fine. Um it's it's going to be available um, at, our, at our local indie theater. I want to see this on the big screen. I cannot wait to see That's this a good, movie Yeah, theater. when are you seeing um, it? it? It comes out like within the next couple weeks. I think it's, I mean, they're giving it, they're basically giving it the portrait of a lady on fire treatment where it's going to come out around Valentine's Day or right. so. Right, wow. So um, it's actually my number one of 2023. Yeah. Exactly. If I was going to describe this movie <laughs> to somebody, I'd say it. it's kind of like a coming of age story for adults. Um, it's funny, both this and my number one movie of the year, um, have women in their late twenties, uh, trying to figure out what they want to do with their lives. Um, which is something that I can wholly relate to not the woman part, but as a person in their late twenties, who's trying to figure out what the fuck I want to do with my life. Um, it's something that is deeply relatable on that front. There is, uh, it's kind of like a it's got rom-com elements to it. Um, there's definitely, I've heard a lot of people compare this movie to like a Norwegian Francis Ha, 
which is kind of the closest thing that you could draw similarity to, which is Francis Yaw. About <laughs> Damn, um, that's your letterbox that's, review that's already. That's the letterbox review. Without even um, watching. Jesus Christ. You should, you you should, you you should yeah. log that and then like in parentheses, like haven't seen it yet. Yeah. <laughs> Put up a spoiler bumper too. Half a star. Um, <laughs> no, like it is, it does share a lot of DNA with Francis Ha. It shares a lot of DNA with a lot of rom-com movies, but it also kind of becomes like what happens after the rom-com ends. Like after we cut to black and everybody lives happily and ever happily ever after, what happens next? Um, it's a movie that's told in 12 parts. It's 12 chapters, a prologue and an epilogue. Um, so because of that, it kind of, it paces the movie for you, but also kind of, it, it's, it, it plays with this idea because sometimes you see that and you're like, Oh God, we're only on like chapter seven or like, Oh no, we're already at chapter 10. And it kind of plays with these ideas that were these 12 parts that you're seeing are just like, picking up just random points in a, this person's life. And That's then there cool. could just be distances of time that happen in between those points in power life. of the dog does this, but there's, there's not much between the segments. There isn't a significant amount in here, but it, so minor spoilers. This is the first like two minutes of this movie. So I'm okay with saying no. this. Um, it is the way that the film starts. The prologue is, uh, this woman who I will say, um, Renate Rinsive, Rinsive, um, the best performance of the year as Julie, uh, like hands down. I think that she gives the, the performance of the year. She won best actress at can. Um, it goes through her trying to figure out what she wants with her life. So it starts where she's just like, I want to be a doctor because I've figured out like, that's something that I could use. Like my good grades would be good for. And then she's sitting there and she's like, actually like, I don't really care about the human body. I'm more fascinated with the mind. So she switches her major over to uh, psychology and then uh, sleeps with her psych professor and takes like some like pictures afterwards. And is just like, actually I have an eye for this thing. I'm going to be a photographer <laughs> and like it jumps around. It's a very funny movie. Um, it has like some of the best comedic timing of any movie that I've seen in years, uh, which is a very tricky thing to do for a foreign language film, especially. Um, that's why I'm interested to see how it's going to play in theaters because you're reading subtitles. People read faster or slower. Um, but it also has some of the most emotionally affecting scenes I've seen all year. Um, without spoiling it, there is a scene that happens with um, one of uh, um, uh, Julie's love interests towards the back half of this movie, a monologue that he gives that um is one of the, like the most like seen and attacked that i've seen in a movie in a long time it just it had me weeping it's truly a absolutely beautiful movie it's a perfect film um i just want to go back and watch all of yokum trier's films now at this point um and i want to sell all my shit and move to oslo Oh, so I've heard it's nice. Over so there. it really is like Francis Hall because that movie is designed to make you you drop everything and want to move to New York. Fucking New York. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, guys, I cannot fucking wait for you to watch this movie. Like it's it's undeniable. It's truly like a force of nature. This is there movie. is there an Adam Driver hipster uh, character? Um, kind of. <laughs> they're Good. kind of okay. there I'm is told. a guy who's just like kind of a little bit of a heart throbbiness like uh, Adam Driver is. Um. 
I want this movie to start. Like, I don't know what, how, like, how big of the prospects this movie could have. I would love for this movie to actually go to like a Netflix or something because I feel like it might actually be able to get some legs there because it does I'm have sure. a lot of it. It has a lot of traditional rom-com elements to it, but it also is wholly unique and unlike anything else I've seen before. I'm sure it'll end up on Hulu because it's isn't it neon? Yeah, it's neon. So it'll yeah, go to Hulu. So it's Hulu. But Hulu just doesn't have the same kind of like rom-com stash as Netflix does. Like there's some like got Palm Springs. I guess that is true. It does have Palm Springs. Yeah, they got, they got Netflix some. just like Netflix has a pretty solid rom-com catalog that they've like people just it's still the most watched service. Right. So, you know, I'm really excited to see this. Um, I plan on. I had this at my number one for like a while. Just like a me. As soon as I saw it, I was like, well, that's the best movie of the year. Yeah, that's it. I didn't I didn't want to be a, a fucking sketchy Silk Road <laughs> fucking uh, selling you- selling a link for Bitcoin. Hunter had to you like. You did have to. I actually crashed the Ethereum market yeah. by my stream. That Hunter I had to push his like shitty yeah. like we bought a mic NFT to like get a link. <laughs> I to did. This yeah. Movie. I actually sold off Drew's. <laughs> I sold off Drew's share of the podcast. Yeah. Um. He sold. He sold a mic. I sold. I sold <laughs> Drew's mic. Drew, you're not talking. Nobody can hear what you're saying. No. Well, like it was that. an NFT. You're unplugged. It was an NFT of a mic, so it was just a fucking useless fucking PNG. That's oh. what I'm talking into right now. <laughs> I googled microphone. No one's telling me. Thank you so much for tuning in for part one of our best movies of 2021 podcast. Stick around for part two. We once again had to split it into two parts because we had just so much to say about such a fantastic year in film. Uh, please be sure to email us at webottomike at gmail.com with any thoughts, comments, feedback, questions, what have you, and follow us at webottomike on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, uh, also on TikTok, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a review. You can also send us a voice message and donate at anchor.fm slash webottomike. Thank you, you beautiful donors for donating. You make this show possible with all your generous donations. Uh, check out our website at weepautomike.net where you can find all the other Listomania episodes plus uh, articles and blogs uh, rounding up our lists and all sorts of other great stuff. Stay tuned for part two of this episode and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs>